Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. I am Brian Peacock alongside the scout Matt Williamson. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Matt is at Williamson NFL. You can find this show and all of the programs here on the Locked On Podcast Network on all of your favorite podcast apps. We are still looking at combine performances, breaking down the defensive side of the ball. We spent yesterday with the defensive line and edge guys, and we were trying to get to the rest of the front seven, but we didn't get to linebackers, so we'll start with linebackers today, and we'll see how far we get there and and maybe get into some defensive backs and safeties and cornerbacks as well, and a lot of good prospects in all of those position groups, Matt, but uh, a flurry of activity happened after we posted the podcast yesterday. We've got some news to go on, and there was a trade, so some teams not sitting back, finally making some moves here, waiting for the CBA and waiting for free agency to begin. And I guess we should start with Adam Schefter's report that the Broncos and Jaguars have agreed on a deal that will send corner A.J. Bouye to Denver for a fourth-round draft pick. Yeah, and let's start with Denver. Good aggressive move, trying to keep you know the history of a good secondary and defense in place. Um, it's a minimal investment i mean he's better than a fourth round pick it's all about the money i would assume this means chris harris moves on although i read a blurb today this doesn't mean chris harris is going to move on i kind of think it does i've kind of thought that all along i think the franchise tag could still be coming for justin simmons so that's the foundation of a pretty darn good secondary there i thought bouye played fine last year not as well as the year before not as well as he did in houston but that whole defense was pretty miserable. That whole team was pretty miserable. And I didn't get any tweets from Jags fans yesterday about them being the 32nd organization in the league, which goes to show that maybe they are. And I'm thinking people really want to get out of there. They have cap problems. They Just a year ago, they had Bouye and Ramsey as these lockdown great corners coming off a great defensive season. And now you have neither. And you got a lot of picks, but man, I mean, I think I would put a chip down for the Jags to be the first overall pick next year. I mean, I'm really starting to get that feeling with them. And now we're hearing that they might be shopping Norwell, who they signed to too much money. That's also a trend with this team. And Linder, the center. So uh, are they in a position of strength of offensive linemen and corners to be dealing with these guys? Of course not. Right. And Jags sitting at pick nine right now. The, that's right yeah they're not gonna get okuda there either you know if you thought you had no. the best cornerback in the draft that was gonna be sitting in your lap that would make that a little bit easier but you go in with very zero cornerbacks now into the draft do they reach for a corner at nine that's not okuda uh they go offensive line there and and, and where are you on the defensive side of the ball it's, it's a rough place for the jaguars to be and uh in other jaguars news which is not not really surprising but when it's when it's put out there that the Jaguars are interested in trading quarterback Nick Foles. It's like, first, it's like, well, okay, yeah, but why did you sign him a year ago? And and good luck, $15 million remaining guaranteed for his salary next year. Uh, who are you going to find to take Nick Foles off your hands at this point? And apparently they want to go with Gardner Minshew, which is probably the smart move to put him in as your number one guy to start the season in 2020. But they still have to look at that position going forward, too, in the draft, I think. Yeah, good point. I mean... I didn't love the full signing when it happened. And if, if you throw his name into the eight to 10 potential starting quarterbacks, veterans that you might be able to get via trade or free agency, 
he might be last when you factor in, you know, in terms of desirability, when you factor in, you got to pay him that contract too. I mean, if I'm the Jags and I am blowing this thing up, or if it's already blown up, it'd be great to have nothing invested in my quarterback salary cap. You know, I mean, if you could get Foles off the books and Minshew is that Dak Russell Wilson rookie contract guy and allows you to do some other things. I mean, I see the allure there, especially if you prefer him on the field. But again, to your point, who's going to take Foles off your hands? I think when camp opens, it's going to be a Minshew Foles camp competition, you know, probably with equal um, stock in both. And I bet Minshew ends up winning it, but I don't love either. And maybe that's where Lawrence ends next year. The ESPN report about the potential Foles trade said that the Jaguars will have to sweeten the deal either with a pick or by paying part of his salary, which makes some sense. But there's another guy that wants out of Jacksonville, who's a free agent that might get the franchise tag. Yannick Ngakwe tweeted to Jaguars fans, said, uh, the Jaguars are where I no longer have interest in signing a long-term contract in Jacksonville. Duvall, I love you and gave you guys everything I got. I'm thankful for the journey and look forward to continuing my career elsewhere. I wonder if there's a team that might have enough cap space that wants to do a deal with Yannick Ngakwe that's like, okay, instead of us giving you a second-round pick in a tag-and-trade, how about we'll take on Foles if you take on some of that salary and we'll make that work? But that's a lot of uh, cap space that the team would need. Yeah, and in in Indy, and it's not like you get a lot more insight from the Colts, but I got a lot of impression that that the Colts want to sign Rivers and then get involved with a big-time edge rusher. And we talked about it yesterday Young's really only that guy. I mean, maybe they could convince themselves a chase on or gross mottos or something like that. But with the Jags trade and Dockway in it within the division, I mean, the Colts have a ton of cap space. What if the Bills moved on from Shaq Lawson? I mean, I could see something like that. You know, you used the D Ford analogy yesterday. I think the Dockway fits that perfectly, but it just keeps coming back to the same thing is nobody wants to play for these guys. Rough place for the Jaguars to be in right now. Uh, there is a little bit more news I think we should get into. There's a report that, and there's there's been this talk, and it's not substantial necessarily, but it keeps coming up, linking the 49ers with Bay Area native, hometown kid Tom Brady, potentially coming back to play for his hometown team in the 49ers. To me, it makes no sense. The latest report from Tom Curran of NBC Sports Boston who's on a radio show, who said that he thinks it's realistic and he thinks it's it's a real possibility and that the, the 49ers could be trying to close on a deal for Tom Brady. And when I peeled it back and I listened to the report, it was basically, and this is kind of where all the Brady stuff comes from, is it's a lot of people that see Tom Brady as the Tom Brady of his prime and not the 43-year-old version of Tom Brady and just expecting that every team in the NFL is going to, want Tom Brady at 43 and the 49ers right now, I think are in a better place long-term and maybe even short-term with Garoppolo than Brady. So I don't see it. And with this latest report and all the media outlets are running with it because it's kind of juicy, but there's no substantive report to it. There's not like my sources tell me that this is really happening. He's just trying to put a and B together. And I don't see it at all with the 49ers wanting Brady, I can see Brady wanting to go back and play for a Super Bowl caliber team in his hometown. That makes sense. And his agent might make that call. But the 49ers, I think, are better off with Garoppolo than Brady. And it's crazy to say that about a Hall of Famer. But that's where we're, we're at with the 43-year-old Tom Brady to me. 
Yeah, and I mostly agree with you. I mean, the names you keep hearing with Brady are Tampa, Vegas, Tennessee. And if I'm him, and he obviously holds a lot of power, more than the Joe Average free agent, I'd much rather play in San Francisco than any of those three. And not that those three are bad landing spots, but I can't think of a better landing spot if I'm Tom Brady. You know I mean? Great running game, great system, defense to lean on, strong organization, go home. I'm sure Giselle would be happy in that area. You know, whatever. I mean, like, there's this positive after positive if you're Brady. But I'm with you. Like, First of all, this is this applies to any of those teams. If I sign Tom Brady, I haven't fixed my quarter. I mean, I'm still in the quarterback market. I mean, I, I still got to find his successor. And I don't know that any of those teams have that guy, assuming Jimmy wouldn't be there or Carr wouldn't be there or Winston or Tannehill would be gone. So it's almost like if I'm going to redo my quarterback room, I'm going to move on from my guy, whether that's trade or free agency. And with Jimmy, that would have to be trade, I would imagine. And frankly, I think the Patriots would be very interested. Um, and then I got to invest in Brady. Then I better use a high draft pick on a quarterback. So, I mean, you talk about just, you know, demolishing your current house and building a new one. And it might not be a nicer one. Yeah, and it might not be nicer now. And it's definitely not going to be nicer yeah. in two years. And Garoppolo is an ascending player and I think he's going to be better next year under Kyle Shanahan and people forget that Jimmy Garoppolo tore his ACL last year the 2019 season was the first time Jimmy Garoppolo played a full season as a starting quarterback in the NFL took his team to the Super Bowl and I don't know if it's going to be a Matt Ryan like jump in in his second full year with Shanahan like we saw in Atlanta but I think he there's there's a higher ceiling that he hasn't hit yet I think he can get better next year and I expect that uh and and at worst he'll be as good as he was in 2019 but there's a very good chance Tom Brady continues to ha- be on a downward trajectory in his career and is even worse than he was in in uh, New England this year, and I don't think he was necessarily better than Garoppolo, and the numbers say that Garoppolo was better than Brady already. So n- none of this makes sense on any level to me for the 49ers, and and everything from the 49ers camp has said that, yeah, Garoppolo's our guy, that's it, he's our guy, we believe in him, and that's it. So there's, there's no true reports that actually put these together. It's just a lot of people that... that expect Brady to be uh, to be able to call his shot and go wherever he wants. And then with this same report, the other problem I have about it is that uh, Tom Curran and, you know, I get he's a he's a well-respected reporter and he might have some really good Patriots insider sources. I don't know if he's embedded with the 49ers and, and which it gives me pause about this type of report. But then he says in the same radio spot that then the Patriots would be falling all over themselves to get Jimmy Garoppolo back, and it's like, well, doesn't that tell you that, like, the, if the if the right, Patriots right. can't oh, wait okay. to get Jimmy? Jimmy Garoppolo back, you're then the 49ers are probably not ready to just kick him to the curb either. There's some there's some talent there, and there is some value there with Jimmy Garoppolo. And I know he lost the Super Bowl, but I think people are making a bigger deal about Garoppolo not being uh, good enough for the 49ers right now. Yeah, I think that's really well said. I mean, the one thing I slightly disagree with is. I think the 2019 Niners would have been better with Brady than Jimmy, but that's, it's not clear cut. I mean, I didn't think Brady had a good year. And I think the point that Jimmy's arrows pointing up where Brady's is pointing down. Therefore, I think I'd rather have Jimmy in 2020. And I loved your point about if Belichick and the Patriots who know these two better than anybody, at least as well with Jimmy, would allow Tom to leave without putting up a lot of fight and would be, quote, falling all over themselves to bring in Jimmy. 
well, <laughs> just keep Jimmy if you're the Niners. Right, right. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's where I'm at with this thing. And so it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's fun to talk about, and I understand why networks want to run with something juicy about the team right. that was just in the Super Bowl and about Tom Brady. And there's going to be tons of Tom Brady speculation going forward. So I'm sure this isn't the last time we will talk about him on this program. But there's another bit of news with another team around the NFL that might be tearing things down in Carolina that we need to talk about and then get into some more defensive prospects from the Combine. Just thinking about this thing with the Patriots, Tom Brady, one of the things I don't like about this story is that it makes you want to pick a side. It's like, look, Tom Brady's great, and he's going to be a great fit for some team, and he still has something left in the tank. That's obvious. So you can like both Jimmy Garoppolo and Tom Brady. It's not like, oh, Brady's trash. You don't want to have him in your organization, right? You just like what you have in Garoppolo, and it's the same on the other side. It's like just because you might think Tom Brady's still great and the GOAT and any team should want him. That doesn't mean you have to trash Jimmy Garoppolo and think he's garbage either. So it's not one or the other. You can like both players in this conversation. So I hate having to defend Jimmy Garoppolo staying with the 49ers by trying to diminish what Tom Brady still could be and obviously not diminish anything he's done over his amazing best ever career. Uh, But wherever Tom Brady goes with, it looks like a lock that now... Philip Rivers is going to go to Indy. What about Jacoby Prissett reunion rather than Garoppolo in New England? Yeah, right. I don't think that would be bad at all. I mean, I think you get him cheaper. I think they liked him quite a bit. I assume Rivers is going to go to Indy. I don't still really like that move if I'm the Colts. I might rather roll with Prissett, to be frank, and use that money somewhere else and maybe use a draft pick. But um, I still like Prissett. I mean, he got hurt. Uh, first six weeks or so, he was a pretty good player. He got hurt. All the receivers got hurt. I mean, I, I think it's a little presumptuous to say that he can't be a successful starting quarterback. The Carolina Panthers, Matt, it sounds as if, and Matt Rule signed a seven-year contract to be their head coach, so they have time, and it sounds like ownership, everybody would be on board with the idea of, and I don't want to say tanking because that's so difficult in the NFL, and we saw how that didn't actually happen with Miami last year, but maybe a bit of a teardown happening in Carolina. Who knows what's going on with Cam? He got almost the kiss of death um, you know, praise from his new head coach, and it was like, I'm not going to say he's our guy, but we love Cam, and we can't wait to work with him. And it was like, oh, that sounds like maybe not all the way true necessarily. Uh, they're, they're, they might be training, trading one of their best offensive linemen in Trey Turner, which seems weird. Why are you getting rid of good players there? It doesn't seem like they're really high on signing their own free agents. Is there a teardown happening in Carolina, potentially? I think they're one of the most interesting teams in the league. And frankly, if I had to go in a time capsule and say, who do I think is going to be the best team in the South five years from now, I think it's Carolina. I mean, I like the ownership coach combination a great deal i mean much like your niners or you know these teams that are really starting to feel that you know long-term contract to a high profile coach that deserves it stick with them build a plan and get there um they're far away but i urge people to check out two articles first off matthew barry from espn really good guy i know him from espn days of course is He wrote, you know, my 20 thoughts or whatever that I picked up at the Combine. One of them was, yeah, they say they're married to Cam Newton and they like him. And I'm paraphrasing Matthew here, but Rivera loves him. And if he became available, Washington would be highly attracted to him, even though they don't dislike Haskins. 
And that would make sense. You put ha- Newton and Haskins together. I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and also to paraphrase, that Carolina does like Cam. They have no problem moving on with them, but would also like him to pass a physical and see what you know what kind of uh, attraction he might get. You know, my, who might be buzzing around that hive just to hear some inf- you know hear some offers and maybe move on. Because I do think they are very much rebuilding, tanking, starting from scratch, whatever you want to call it. And then our our buddy Joe Marino from the Draft Network wrote today, and I just skimmed it just now as we were doing this. What Panthers do you think are safe? You know, like who isn't on the trade market? And I don't think it becomes a Minka, Tunsil, you know, Dolphins trade everybody type of situation. But he basically said DJ Moore, Brian Burns, a couple of their young building blocks, Shaq Thompson, should be untouchable. But two he didn't mention, and he went out of his way to say it, were McCaffrey and KK Short, which at this stage of their careers, when I'm talking about that team being the powerhouse of the NFC South in three to five years, what value do those two have at that point? Yeah, what it doesn't make any sense. If the Panthers are going through a full rebuild, which I would understand if they did that, yeah. first of all, the best way to rebuild is to get all those draft picks and and ramp that thing up. If you're going to do it, go all in and do it. And it also doesn't make any sense, especially at the running back position, to spend Christian McCaffrey's prime years rebuilding. Mm-hmm. So at and the, he's up for a contract soon. Right, so the only, yeah. the only purpose for not trading Christian McCaffrey before his contract is up would be you don't want to really alienate your fan base. That would be the only purpose because if you're going to rebuild, get the draft pick that you could get. And by the way, what could, what would the market be for maybe the best running back or at least one of the most complete running backs in the NFL, one of the best three down backs in the league? What would the Panthers be able to ask and get for someone like Christian McCaffrey? I don't know that answer, but I find it extremely interesting. I mean, if you could add any back free of cost to your football team, maybe you'd take Barkley over McCaffrey, Jimmy, mean, a little bit younger. I mean, but he might be the most desirable back in the league coming off the best season that any back has had in a, in a while. I mean, to your point, I guess you could lose your fans, you know, alienate your fans, lose your locker room, um, make whoever your young quarterback's life a lot more difficult without McCaffrey. I mean, he'd be a young quarterback's best friend, but I, the draft picks you'd get for him overweigh that to me. That's an interesting one. I agree. I mean, if you're the Panthers, you're going to rebuild, you trade Chris McCaffrey without a doubt. I mean, that's 100% for me. and, And, and I'm fully on board with that. Will they do it? Do they have the guts to do it is the question. And what could they get? What teams would become calling? And I would assume they would get, a very nice draft package for McCaffrey, even though he's what? He's going to be a free agent after 2020, right? Yeah, they're going to pick up his option. Or he'll have this fifth-year option that'll still. Happen. Yeah. yeah, that'll okay. happen soon, though. And then he's a free agent after that. So it's coming quickly. All right, here's a hypothetical. I mean, would would your ni- you're in charge of the Niners. Would you advise John Lynch to give up 31 for him right now? That's, that's immediate where, immediately where my mind went. And I have no doubt that... Kyle Shanahan would lose his mind if he had an opportunity to go like Kyle Shanahan. If I'm Kyle Shanahan and I'm talking and you're John Lynch and you say, Hey, would you give up 31 for Christian McCaffrey? I think Kyle Shanahan would say, yes, 
get get it done as fast and quickly as possibly can because that's right. exactly yeah. the kind of player that Kyle Shanahan loves and would love to have in his offense where you can go out there and base personnel and you can put your running back out wide and, and you can still throw out of that and his ability to catch out of the backfield and run a you know a wide zone scheme. I mean, it's just perfect. It's exactly the kind of running back Kyle Shanahan would want. And we've seen Kyle Shanahan really want to put money into the running back position. He pays his fullback twice as much as any team in the league. He mm-hmm. spent money in free agency on Jarek McKinnon to get that dynamic, you know, athletic pass catching sort of a running back and then spent more money later on Tevin Coleman to get him in there. So he will spend money on the running back position, even though and resources, even though I don't necessarily agree with that, he even traded up for a running back. If you remember in 2017 uh, for a guy named Joe Williams, who never played a down in the NFL. So Kyle Shanahan likes his running backs and he will spend to get those. So I, I would not put it past the 49ers. I don't know if I would throw a first rounder at any running back. I'm just, it's not the position that I, I would put a ton of resources in for a team. And then with all the money and draft picks spent on it, the 49ers, they would have to, they would have to lose some players elsewhere. But I have no doubt that Kyle Shanahan would say, yes, give me Christian McCaffrey, whatever it takes. Here's three I thought of just now, too. I mean, the Patriots are in a much different place, but can you imagine what Belichick and McDaniels would do with McCaffrey? I mean, he's oh, yeah. all their running backs they've had rolled into one. You know what I mean? Like, and as a football he, fan, you would hope that McCaffrey would go to a team. And look, this is all speculation. Uh, we, fun, we, don't, we don't have reports that McCaffrey's actually on the block or anything, but I mean, you start to add this thing up, and it would make a lot of sense if that's what's going on in Carolina. You, you would hope as a football fan that McCaffrey would go to a team with a, a really great mind at the offensive coordinator position, right? As someone that would utilize him in a way that would be really fun. I think the 49ers would be one of those teams. I think the Patriots would absolutely be one of those teams. And uh, did you have some more teams as well? A couple. Bruce Arians using him like David Johnson, mm-hmm. although that's mm-hmm. in division, but they're a running back away. Wow. And maybe even Brady ends up there too. Holy smokes. The Colts have all the room in the world. With all respect to Marlon Mack, boy, he would. they just need playmakers. And how about you put him in a wide-open offense next to Kyler Murray? Oh, wow. I didn't think about the Kyler Murray angle. That would be that would be lots of fun. I was thinking Saints, but they already have their guy yeah, in Alvin Kamara. Them. But, man, in, in the way Sean Payton uses a running back, I mean, any of those places, like that's where you would hope. You would hope he doesn't end up in some like ground-and-pound team where Christian right. McCaffrey gets ground into the ground and, and, right. and, and, and is not the same player in, in a few years. But, yeah. It could be fun. I mean, that would be one of the most fun things that would happen in the offseason. And the the further you kick that can down the road, I mean, if you're trading Christian McCaffrey, it would make more sense now than it would next year at this time because now you're getting less. And he just came off the best year of his career. If if you want to strike and you want to be forward thinking and you want to... You got to do it now. You want to do a rebuild and you want to get it going, that's the piece. So I don't think it's going to happen, but it would be fun. No, but if you're going to do it, do it now. Because, I mean, a year from now, he's a diminishing diminishing asset anyway. Right, absolutely. Okay, let's talk linebackers from the NFL Combine. Who stood out? Who made money? Who lost maybe a little bit of money? Next. Matt, I struggle with how much teams' boards actually get affected by the Combine because, as we talked about before the Combine, you want to have the board pretty well set before you go into this thing and not overvalue what you see in testing but it obviously makes a difference and you can tell it changes what happens on draft day and where these players go that being said linebacker position were there some players out there that you thought made themselves some money 
last weekend. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, what, Isaiah Simmons is a freak and we've talked about him a lot and he was unbelievable and uh, okay. You know, we know all those things, but I mean, ten, I'm pulling the numbers in front of me right now. 10 linebackers ran sub four, six. I mean, that's flying. And they're not, I mean, of those 10, I see two that are 228, 229. There's a 235 in there. There's a 224 in there, which none of those are super small for today's linebackers. But there's also 238, 243, 241, 240, 236, 245. I mean, all running sub 46. I mean, we know that's absolutely what the NFL covets from these guys. And some of them might just be lifetime special teamers, but that in itself, I think is extremely noteworthy. I'm looking at the numbers right now, just listed at fastest to slowest and tons of four fives, but that four, three, nine Isaiah Simmons at the wow, top. Yeah. I mean, it just sticks out like a sore thumb. What, what a freak of nature. <laughs> oh, that whole time you were talking, I was just looking at that He's and six, seeing three and a half. Yeah. Just under six, four and, and two thirty eight. Long arms, big hands, 39-inch vertical, big broad jump. He didn't do the agility drills. Not sure why, but I'm sure those would have been fine as well. They they did the the overlay 40-yard dashes, showed him running faster than guys like Jalen Ramsey. And it's <laughs> right, right. And, and blowing away Derwin James. And, and there there's a lot of talk that maybe he could play in, in a strong safety sort of a role, a Derwin James-ish role where you could even put him in the middle of the field by himself at that speed. And he's got some instincts in the back half as well as a coverage guy. And, and I still don't know how a team is going to use him. I still think he's more of a weak side linebacker. And I think there's a blur line between what a strong safety is and what a weak side linebacker is in a lot of nickel packages anyway. But the chess piece, the ability for someone like Isaiah Simmons to like, this is a player that could cover that you, that you, that you have follow George Kittle around the field that you could Mm -hmm. also spy Lamar Jackson with that you could cover McCaffrey with. That's such a weapon and a chess piece for the right defensive coordinator. Absolutely. He's very, very freaky. I think he's an elite prospect. I'm sitting here thinking you mentioned Akuda with the Jags. Like, they're not going to get Simmons or Akuda. Like, if you kind of knew you're the Jags, and I mean, they could trade up and they'll have picks and whatnot, but they're not, they're going to have to settle for somebody less than these type of guys. You know, I mean, I'm just going back to the Jags. I'm so, sorry, I'm not to, uh, I'm not burying the Jags any deeper. <laughs> I've been really rough on them the last two days, but um, Simmons is very, very freaky. Like we talked about yesterday, I think, was you better have a plan. You know, don't just throw them out there, but versatile. Belichick type defenses where you know things change week to week very drastically are going to love this guy. I think the second winner of the combine as far as the linebacker position is a player that isn't going to go top 10 but Willie Gay Jr out of Mississippi State. I mean 6'1 243 as you mentioned some guys flying that are that are pretty big linebackers and this guy was one of them and he blew up just about every Drill at the combine four four six forty yard dash at two hundred forty three pounds, uh, twenty one reps bench press thirty nine and a half inch vertical, one hundred thirty six inches in the broad jump, uh, seven oh eight three cone four point three twenty yard shuttle just and he's thick big in the thighs and like he's built yeah. like a linebacker. It's not like he's a is a hybrid safety linebacker. This is a stout linebacker that can fly. I assume he's William Gay's son. 
Well, he's some William Gay's son. I'm, I'm talking about the, the I, former. I guarantee fan. he is a William <laughs> Gay's son. Yes, I just don't know <laughs> if it's the one I'm thinking, but I think it's the former Steeler uh, that had a long career. It was a really smart player, and Gay's tape. I mean, he's good in coverage. He has all the athletic skills you want. But there's a little note on this guy. Is I I don't quote me. I'm not saying this exactly happened, but the reports are. He cheated on some test during his senior year. I don't really care about that, to be honest with you. And supposedly, he broke his quarterback's jaw by punching him in the face. So, (laughs) but I've also been told that was due to massive competitiveness. His quarterback wasn't very good. I'm not saying the dude deserved it. I'm just saying. (laughs) Hey, man, (laughs) you suck. He's punch him as he walks off the field after a team goes three and out. That's hilarious. The first thing you, the first thing I thought of when you said that, I was like, some scout's going to say competitive when he was cheating on the test part, not the punching the guy in the face part. That's that's uh, not great. But I mean, you could gear it towards football, super important to him, and chemistry isn't. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, punching your teammate in the face, not a great look. Uh, he even had some but sacks. Maybe earned it. Some yeah. success as a. <laughs> oh my gosh, that this. But yeah, red flags. I mean, uh, and maybe there's a reason he hasn't gotten talked about as, as one of the uh, the top linebackers in this class. But he can get after the quarterback a little bit as as a rusher yeah. or as a blitzer. So, I bet he goes high. I bet he's a day two guy for sure. And he was a big time recruit, so it's not like yeah. he wasn't on the radar for teams. So they have to vet him and feel good about his character. And look, if he punches a quarterback in the NFL, that's <laughs> that's, that's not going to fly. Uh, he can cheat on all the Wonderlick tests or whatever he wants, but <laughs> right. uh, you can't be punching your teammates or or people on other teams. But an interesting prospect and really just lit it on fire there. Patrick Queen, uh, I think he's maybe the only other. I think Kenneth Murray and Patrick Queen. Those are the two guys yeah, you're talking about them together that could potentially get into the first round aside from Simmons. Both had really nice combines. Patrick Queen, he's, he's your prototype modern-day linebacker. Four five zero flat. You know he's only two hundred twenty nine pounds. I think that he's not going to be for every team. Might need to get a little bit bigger than that, even. But you know, athletic. Uh, he's a he's a good blitzer. Uh, he's you know he's obviously at, at two twenty nine. You run a four five zero. He can he can flat go run people down too. So a uh, good linebacker there. Maybe not a first round prospect for me necessarily. And then Kenneth Murray had a nice four five two forty time as well. A little bit bigger, obviously, than Patrick Queen, two hundred forty one pounds, six two. A little bit more prototype there at linebacker. Yeah, I think you lump these two together. I think Murray has a little more value than Queen. He's a little bit bigger. I think his tape is a little better. But they're both the same style. You know, think four, three wills. You know, run and hit guys, the Derek Brooks types. The speed is obvious. Both of them, coincidentally, ran their their first 40, said, I'm good. I I got a really good number. I'm shutting it down. I'm happy with it. Bye. Cool. Done. (laughs) Um, And I did talk to someone very much in the know about Queen when I was in Indy. And he said, I get the appeal. This guy's super fast. The league's going to love him. But he said, I watched every snap of him. And I don't think he made one tackle at the line of scrimmage or, bo- or behind. You know, like, hmm. it's kind of what linebackers are doing now. You know, like, it, it, part of it's because he's not asked to. But part of it's like, it, it, is he more specimen than he is, you know, Ray Lewis, Luke Keekley? And I bet the answer is yes. Right, which is why, and I think I agree with you that Murray is the one that probably ends up going higher just because similar athletic testing, uh, really good tape for a long time at Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. But uh, And and when you 
38-inch vertical, too, for um, for Kenneth Murray. Big guy, five yeah. two, So great jumps. And looking at his build, too, and, like, he's got arms that are as big as my legs, and he's just built like a guy who's who can meet you at the hole but also has that speed to run and go chase people down uh, sideline to sideline. Yeah, and I know we don't have a whole lot of time, but I did want to mention he's different than these dudes is Zach Bond from Wisconsin. Yes. I mean, Edge, is he an off-the-ball guy? He might be both. I mean, he has a lot of pass rush. He has great tape. I'm hearing a lot of first-round buzz. Certainly didn't hurt himself at the Combine. He worked out with the linebackers, but really interesting player, really good player. I'm glad we are out of time, but I'm glad you mentioned Zach Bond because we didn't with the edge and and he's it hurts him because he's he plays like an edge, but he's built like an off ball linebacker, 6'2", 238. But he had a, I think he had a really nice combine. It's just it's it's hard for him. It's hard for me to envision where he fits the most. And you want to put him in that first he's round Rob range. Nikovich. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. So one yeah, of these teams, Patriots, Titans, you know, one of the teams that runs yeah. a multiple sort of a defense where you can have a stand up rusher. Because he's definitely an edge player. I think his comp by Lance Zerline was Clay Matthews, which is, you know. That makes sense. Yeah, Van Noy. Yeah, that, so that's that sort of a player. And I think he helped himself out of the combine showing he could. he's athletic enough to do off-ball stuff. Four, six, five, forty time. But I, I think you want to have him coming off the edge, trying to get after the quarterback, especially on third downs. But an interesting player for the right team. He's not going to be for everybody. And one of those hybrid edge guys and and I like him I like him a lot and he might he might not go as high as he should for how good of a football player he is just because he doesn't fit perfect into what you think traditional edge players should be yeah and guys like him I think a lot of them are truly tweeners in the negative sense of you know when I was watching the draft growing up he's neither but I kind of think that he's all of the above kind of like we talked about with Simmons much different than Simmons but excels in a lot of areas and it, the versatility is a huge plus it's not that he's a, a master of none you know what i mean absolutely a real quick one combine loser we talked about his teammate patrick queen lsu linebacker michael divinity running a 48 or 485 um at 62 242 pounds and the the thumper linebacker and he's built well the the thumper linebacker is getting phased out and i have a feeling he's going to drop like a rock with you know not not showing the type of speed that can hang with uh with people in the passing game yeah i don't know a lot about him i get the feeling i don't have to do a lot of homework on him either as <laughs> well said good cuz we're out of time anyway uh matt great I stuff I as always use my time more wisely than watching him probably Oh, and by the way, guys, we have a Twitter Thursday. So uh, hit us up on Twitter at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. Matt just put out a tweet. I will retweet it. You can reply to that. Get involved with tomorrow's Twitter Thursday. And then Friday, we'll finish this thing off. We've got to break down the defensive backs from the combine. And then hopefully we'll have collective bargaining news and we'll be able to really get into the free agency frenzy next week as we get into mid-March right here. Locked on NFL.